Hello and welcome to your favorite YouTube channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. Today we're looking at the violence issue of Bizarre Adventures, issue number 31, featuring Frank Miller, John Byrne, Bill Sienkiewicz, and more. Cartoonist Kayfabe is a daily comic book YouTube channel. We have 1,500 videos in our archives, and you can search through those on the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube homepage. Click on the little magnifying glass icon, enter your favorite book or favorite creator, and chances are you might find a video of us talking about it. We are also partially brought to you by the Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. There are three different levels that will get you access to our videos ahead of time, and at the King Kayfaber level, you'll get access to all of our videos first, which will give you a leg up on the Kayfabe effect. Sometimes whenever we cover a, uh, an old comic, it can be hard to find, it can disappear, it can go up in price. You want to be the first ones looking for that. And finally, our next appearance as Cartoonist Kayfabe will be at Big Apple Con in New York City on December 16th. First time uh, showing in New York City for me, Ed, since before COVID. So I'm excited to check that out. If you're in the tri-state area, put that on your calendar. Come out and say hello to us in person. All right, so today we are going to take a look at Bizarre Adventures, the hard look at violence issue. This is from 1981. Starts out strong. Joe Jusco on the cover there. Uh, pretty pretty eye-catching image, I think. A woman with her overcoat open, exposing all kinds of guns, grenades, bullets. Sex, uh, violence. <laughs> everything you want there as a kid, right? As an 11-year-old. <laughs> Straight, Sybil Danning-looking looking, uh, chick. And this has to be pretty early. I don't know when Joe Jusco starts getting published, but 81's pretty early. That's what I was thinking, man. He's still a police or something, man. And even even the painting, like, like it's, it's awesome. But you could tell, like, this face compared to, like, what he goes on to do like 10 years later it's it's way different he recently hit a hit a milestone uh that that's uh, you know he's he's the only guy to have painted covers for every tarzan novel that edgar rice burroughs wrote he's, he's the only guy to do that so uh i think that that's a pretty uh, noteworthy accomplishment and i've been listening to those audiobooks Pr pretty pretty fun stuff it's it's good good company yeah that's while, awesome uh, ma making comics yeah, Jusco got to know him a tiny bit, used to live in Pittsburgh for a little while and would uh, participate with other comics professionals and was always always a nice guy to me. But like his paintings, and I like watching them online because he'll show them in stages, and it's so bizarre to me the way he paints where like things are masked off, like a whole figure, and it'll be like a complete background and the figure's just white. Yeah. It's so different. All right, so as I, oh, April 1982, um, thought it was 81, but 1982, so early 80s, and we're already starting this idea of um, let's have a theme, let's, let's look at these as violence, but meanwhile, this is the black and white part of the Marvel Magazine publishing output, and apparently they do not sell well. And, and these, this all reads like a trifle, like, like you come in for the names, you got Frank Miller, this is a Frank Miller story I'd ever re read, uh, you got Sienkiewicz, and it's like no Adams era Sienkiewicz. Uh, Larry Hama on the ones and twos, which is like a rare morsel to me. It's awesome. And John Byrne has a couple of pages in here. Herb Trimpey inking himself. Steve Bissett has a big page. Yeah, a big yeah, story that's so good. Here. Yeah, with that, uh, what's his homeboy? Steve, uh, Steve Perry. C. Perry, man. That's that dude that got chopped up to bits. Uh, big, big willies, man. But uh, it feels like almost to a man in here that. It's just a trifle to uh, get get some pages done and make some money. Like like there's no there's no stakes to anything. It's all a jerk off. And I, I don't know about you, uh, but but as a kid, when those anthologies would be coming around, uh, SPX that type of shit, 
when it's like the themed anthology or we'll take it to like a lower level when you're doing like commissions right and there's like the theme sketchbooks you telling me what to draw or even giving me guidance at that level makes me less enthused than just letting me do my thing yeah I have a few uh, bizarre heroes. There's some interesting stuff scattered throughout the run, like um, Simonson does his, his Lawn Lawn Lawnmower Man in one of them, which is pretty cool. Miller does a few different pieces throughout, and he seems to experiment. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like this is Miller stretching, growing, trying some stuff. This story may not be the best example, although there's some of it. And, and you'd see it on, like, Spider-Girl cover, where he puts in, like, the monsters as posters, the movie monsters yeah, as right. a background element. And I kind of feel that way with some of this, like these clipped engravings that are in the backgrounds of some of this story but just seeing him with the duo shade and stuff um there's some interesting stuff in the other miller stories that i've seen him do in bizarre adventures i don't think everybody does it and some of these are so throwaway as like totally i didn't even it's like two-page filler it feels right. like something that comes out of the bullpen sometimes can't ignore that this first time he's using like the um sin city type treatment you can't, you can't ignore that piece but i think and you pointed to this ex exactly as you were talking about this part but you see that lettering that's eisner-ish lettering and i think that eisner's deep in his mind with the compositions here it feels like the stuff that eisner was doing around this period of time when he starts building up his his own graphic novel bibliography allowing for these negative space moments and stuff and this is something that uh this is a motif you, this negative space stuff that that miller's going to be bringing to uh, the wolverine miniseries every single page has a big wide open field of space yeah good call how about this for even like not hard panel borders on these right it's kind of neat playing definitely playing with that design and page layout thing the big arts they, they, that's another thing that is very indicative of like the will eisner spirit comics where you know there would be MacGuffins on these seven page stories and sometimes it would be something as simple as the word art being you know bold uh, what we're looking at here is like a very weird pretentious screed about what art is how it affects you physiologically how it affects the viewer by denny o'neill and frank miller and i think for both people it's uh it's punching upwards for, for where where their abilities are at the time i think your description of this story is better than the story's treatment of the subject I mean, I think I might be digging deep to try to understand what the fuck I'm reading. It could be. Um, I'm good with Miller's art. I feel like there's some fun stuff in here. You know, you get some action in like a very philosophically driven narrative otherwise. I even like the mixed media. I think it's pretty interesting and something I you don't see too much, that Spider-Woman cover, uh, you know, being an exception. But story-wise, like there's, I don't, I did not connect with this at all and reread it. And still was like, I don't know, I don't get it. Yeah. Hey, this smoke stuff, that's another one of those Sin City elements where, like, these exact marks Absolutely. we're going to see in Sin City a decade later. Yeah, it's so good. And, you know, like, once again, it's me putting that stuff onto this. And I think what we're, we have is, like, a black market art dealer, and they're getting rid of, like, some old stuff. And, and the art is so strong that it's meaningful. But uh, the art, of course, I have no problem with it. But it really is, for the subject of the story, it's it's like that ghost world, the boy who just wants to draw dudes with hammers type meaning levels, yes. you know, for, for something that's trying to be much more thought out and philosophical, but you have dudes with straight up ninja swords, ninja stars and decapitations where, where this is concerned. Let me, let me read a little bit. So the people at home, uh, lest they think we're being too hard on Mr. O'Neill, but art is wily. Art is persistent. 
Art can be seductive as well as fierce. If you cannot be wounded one way, trust art to find another, to beckon you to pleasure only to strike. That's tough stuff. I don't, I, you know, like, I don't know if this ever would have connected with me at any age so far. Maybe as I get older. <laughs> but again, interesting art. And, you know, Miller is kind of active at this time. Like, he's, he's I don't know if he's still doing, I think he still may be doing Daredevil at this point. Uh, as you said, the Wolverine miniseries is probably right around this time yeah. period. And there are other bizarre adventures where he's contributing to. So, you know, I feel like that's a guy who, like, you can see the hunger in Miller for just, just drawing, for really trying to make pages. Here's the palette. White, black, one tone of gray, darker gray, black. So you have the mm -hmm. little monographic rainbow. That's a Sin City image. Yeah, definitely. All right, so here's your Larry Hama. And Ralph Reese is also in these credits, so I don't know if he's helping or maybe they're sharing studio space at this point, something like that, but this story to me was really impressive going through, like, art-wise, pretty amazing stuff that's on display here. Absolutely. The videos are brought to you by the books that we make, and 2023 was and is a big year. 2024 is going to be just the same. The Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is out there. About 75% of this print run has uh, been accounted for, so you guys have about 25% left of our, our stock to go. Scoop up that book if you see it. It's going to make an excellent gift. The X-Men Grand Design Trilogy comes out uh, November 14th. It collects all of my X-Men Grand Design works inside of one nice, handy, uh, soft cover. Scoop that up. There are three volumes of Red Room that are uh, completed. Two of them are out on the stands right now, the Antisocial Network and Trigger Warnings. But coming to you in early 2024 is Red Room Crypto Killers with dozens of pages of extra features and commentary in the back. Street Angel Princess of Poverty is coming to you at the end of November. Uh, it is a companion piece to Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive. Uh, you get both of these books. You have all of Jimmy's uh, Street Angel comics to date. He's been self-publishing, and here you have True Crime Funnies, the black and white zine, 1986 zine. Go to Jimmy's website. Uh, he might be sold out right at the moment, but uh, you never know. He, he might have fresh stock, depending on when you're watching this video. And uh, Hulk Grand Design is Jimmy's contribution to the Grand Design mythology that we have created for Marvel Comics. Now that we're done paying the bills, let's get back to the video. When I was going through it to start, I was like, oh shit, is this Rick Veach? And uh, no, it's Larry Hama. It's very rare that we get Hama. The the lettering, a part of that made me think of the Veach stuff, but certainly this stuff, you know, the, 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 big, the big Daddy Roth like, um, Ninja Turtles issue. Uh, this was a pleasure to read. It goes nowhere and it's meaningless in terms of story, but uh, a lot of cool characters. He always like has his copyrights in there too. Like that's something that you don't see on any of the other guys. Um, wild characters, cool designs. It feels like an underground comic. You know, it feels directly like uh, just something that would be akin to. Um, this is um, somewhere in here. They they give the story of this right. So. They basically told everybody, they just said, violence is our theme, right? Any kind of story, any kind of violence. What he was hoping for and what he got was reaction to the fact that violence in one form or another pervades our news, our media, our very culture. So this prompt here is violence for, yeah. for pretty much every story in here. But what a strange way everyone approaches it. This is almost like a B-movie kind of horror movie um, 
um, thinking of the, there was the hills have eyes. All right. It reminds me of that with like these, you know, just mute, mutated type characters of villains who are capturing humans for food. They, they refer to them as feast or food or whatever. And so you have two groups, they're together, but one group is behind the other. And then you have this character that's showing up and dispelling this group of like mutants. And look at that character with like the dog head as part of his, his design. Like that's pretty cool. And talk about like Rick Veach and Turtles. That guy could easily be in one of those Turtles issues. You know what's making me think about uh, this entire time, especially this Red Tat Tat, it, it was uh, it was Corbin, like Ralph mm-hmm. comics and stuff. But also when you get the, uh, the little um, polka dot eyes guy, then I start to get into like Roy Crane because you have like Captain Easy and, and, sure. and Wash Tubs. What's funny about this piece, and it's the um, disparity between like art and le- the art and lettering, is that's a Uzi silencer. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that seems like something Hama would have been pointing out to those guys. I see the wood, you know, Larry yeah, Hama yeah, being yeah, like sure. a wood assistant for a bit. Like so, so was Ralph totally, Reese. Uh, like you're pulling that out. Yeah, totally, man. And he's and he, he's also. Um, the design of him is almost like that Alka-Seltzer mascot character, right. you know, super cute, but he's the biggest badass of all of them. Yeah, Dr. Death. And he has the running theme of saying that uh, I know. And and it actually is, it, the beats of it is Kurtzman-like, where he's like, I know, I know, and then there'll be like a third, like, do you know everything? And he's like, no, I don't know this thing. And that and that beat plays out a couple of times, and that's that's a Kurtzman rhythm to me. Kind of makes me wonder whenever you think of like, okay, the prompt is violence, so... We have these mutant horror movie kind of extras. This guy looks like he could be a Simpsons character, by the way. Yeah. Maybe Bob Fingerman came in and helped out right. on that, yeah. on that <laughs> panel. Um, but then, like, the other flip part is, like, you've got the, the most violent of all of these is your kid. Yeah. So I wonder, like, what exactly statement or, or idea here is Larry Hama trying to get across? Is this a Dark Knight lift? And, and by that, I mean Dark Knight lifting this panel. Right. It, it feels like whenever Batman shoots those guys in the building. I know what you mean. It's very close to that. Um, I'm super impressed by the art though throughout this series. It's it's very entertaining. I would read a thousand pages. Like there's a poor innocent guy, and then our Doctor Death comes through, and he's got to get these dudes, and uh, shoots through him in, in the head. Like this is that shit. Like when when uh, that last time I saw somebody get shot, it was this kind of deal where there's a bar fight, and then I would be standing where the camera is. Dude pulls out a gun. And shoots a guy in the stomach right here like four times and there is a crowd full of people on this side directly behind that guy who is watching the bar fight you mm-hmm. know so like and the guy shot a lot of times like uh any of those people that were just standing there could have got fucking taken down that's that's hard to even believe very scary i can't imagine other parts of the story is like you have these girls who are somewhat like damsel in distress, but then also very capable. Yeah, you know, like Val- she's, Valkyries, she's baby. Cutting herself out with the axe before she's then impaling a guy, you know, busting his head in half. How about that's pretty fun for yeah. cartoon violence. But you know, I also wonder like with these kind of sound effects, it does feel like there's a huge cartoon element in this story. So again, I say like, what are we doing? Just selling violence to kids? Is that the comment? Because <laughs> that's the best I can do if uh, I'm going to tell you what, what's intended here. Great panel, man. The reflection of the gun foreshortened in the in the glasses. Super cool. Yeah, like this story here feels the closest to like the underground comic anthologies. You know, you, you got this guy like, yeah, he's he's within the parameters and the trappings of, of Marvel Comics. But, you know, we looked at stuff like uh, maybe... Uh, East Village Other, or like some of the, the Gothic Blimp Works. Larry Hama has pages in Gothic Blimp Works right alongside other 
mainstream dudes like Mike Kaluta, Catherine Jones, but Von Baudet, Kim Deitch. So he's got those like legs in, in, in both of those fields and stuff. Hey, you think this this is marker, isn't it? I do think you it is marker. You see little dashes and stuff that uh, give that away. Like yeah. the strokes are very clear there. Yeah, if you look at the title, the Doctor Death stuff, you could you could see the marker like t- touching. You could see it there too, but you could totally yeah. see the sort of marker kind of touching. So, yeah, you know they, these guys. Uh, Hama's pedigree is is pretty fascinating because he was with Wood, pause, but uh, he was also a crusty bunker. Yes. You know, so so he's got all those tricks. Yeah, it makes for very nice pages. Interesting that he goes in the different direction of becoming, you know, really just a writer and editor as opposed to an artist. Yeah. All right, so this is our Bill Sienkiewicz story here, and it's it's another big piece. I guess this is before he's doing New Mutants, so maybe around the end of Moon Knight era. Yeah. And, you know, still in that, a lot of Neil Adams still visible on these pages. Totally. And starting to read this, like like literally this caption here, I was like, yo, this is a continuation of Thrill Kill. Because it talks about, like, she's the wife of the guy who went on a fucking murder spree. So I'm like, oh, dude, this is this is Thrill Kill Part 2. Yeah, that's pretty good, pretty good uh, reading there. But, no, it's a movie. Right. And this is the movie review for it. And we have the movie reviewer in the theater complaining about the movie. Meanwhile, there's an executioner type sitting behind him also seems to be uh, unhappy with this movie. Right. So they cross paths there early. Um, Got to wonder what the originals look like for something like this in terms of how it's reproducing. You know, it's very splotchy. Yeah, very muddy. Uh, it's dicey, man. Playing playing with uh, the darker values of gray on this kind of paper. Uh, we've seen it a lot in digital. When, whenever, like, the late 90s and stuff, when dudes were using gray tones on the computer, it's like, don't go above 50. And, and, and maybe 50% gray is, is too much even. Like, when I was doing WYSIWYG, I stuck at, like, 20 and 40 and uh i because like when i was doing printouts and stuff that was the derek kirk kim palette basically like i didn't get it from derek i was just doing my own experimentation and holding it up on, on like similar paper and stuff and i'm like okay 20 percent, 40 percent. it's good to have two values yeah but but you cannot go very dark because it'll it'll get dark and what's happening is the actors from that movie are being murdered and so our film critic decides it's that executioner type that was sitting behind him in the movie theater, tries to convince the police who are like, you're a crazy person. So takes it upon himself. He's going to go try to save these people. And he tries to track down like where they live, but he's, you know, coming in late. Well, that's a lot of explanation. And this story really kind of falls apart the more you dig into it. Jimmy, I, I couldn't read this one. I was like, oh, you know what? I'll just comment on the artwork. Well, keep commenting, but like... The artwork's nice. Yeah. I like seeing Sienkiewicz do some of this stuff where, you know, like you'll see like some marker grays coming into this. Yeah, there's some more examples of that. Uh, but, but like the the sort of, he's he's sort of at that bleeding edge period and he's kind of new and a little unsure of himself. Uh, so this comic looks like, I have I have these like um, emergency comics from, from Charlton that, that are Krusty Bunker Productions. And it, it this looks like it where you could kind of see the new like when, when you get something that's crusty bunkers you could see where neil adams really touched a panel or two or something and like that's how this works where you could see like the neil adams ish panel that's like the most new adams ish but then you have the like also ran tom grinberg type energies throughout 
I liked this sequence where our reporter guy is in three panels and turning his head, and they're all the same. This is like your argument for a tangent, right? Like how to use a tangent, where it's almost like the animation of him turning right. turning his head. But some of the tangents are like his hand that makes the jawline, but it's not quite right. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like that kind of almost like animated technique, something I haven't seen before. At least I don't remember seeing something quite like that. But again, going back to the theme of this issue and what, what what's this story about... I have no idea. Yeah, like I like I said, I couldn't read it. Um, this made me think of uh, Dave Cooper's Gun Fury. That's interesting to compare Comics. that. Yeah, yeah, the visual. And Dave Cooper did several of those, you know, where it was like grays being reproduced yeah. oh, on black yeah. and white newsprint. And oh, like yeah. dot gain just really <laughs> making it 50% darker than, than probably intended. All right, this is um, John Byrne. I didn't even know what to say. I guess it's anti-censorship. Violence wears many faces. I don't know. Violence against books. Ah, uh, this is another one. I don't. This just confused me I a know. lot. What is this even made from? It looks like 3D digital art, and that is not what they had it in 1982. No, like the, the closest thing that you get is like very rigorous uh, airbrush. Yeah, work. that's what I came up with. Bizarre. Like, imagine even trying to figure out this. Like, somebody showed up with airbrush skills, and you're like. Can you do these cartoon rabbits? Once, once again, this this very likely could have been a continuity. Like you could show you could show off this page to an enterprising client and say, you know, we have this aesthetic approach that we can do. So they have it now. This is called uh, what is it called? Ricondo Rabbit. Yes. And Larry Hama is creator of uh, of Bucky O'Hare. Bucky O'Hare before the DC implosion was gearing up to be a DC comic. So he, so it's like he had this rabbit thing. Like, That's really like interesting. That in makes the, a lot more sense for this whole story. Yeah. Like like this is continuing R&D right. towards what that would end up being. And also combined with stuff like, I think he was the editor on The Nom. And then, of You're course, right. wrote G.I. Joe, you know, known to be a veteran. So you really see this that part of it, that story of, like, combat, which many of his stories seem to have an element in, in there. But just combined with these cartoon characters. It made me wonder too, like between like this airbrush style versus the line art. Do you think he's drawing the line art, and, I, and the other guy's doing the airbrush? It's weird to me to think that the guy that's doing this airbrush is also drawing this. Right. Yeah. I mean, it looks different. And and see, like, here's the here's why you can't answer that because there's just not enough Larry Hama work out there for us to look at his work and be like, oh, that's clearly Larry Hama. Um, like that piece that we saw earlier, it's like I would never have said, "Oh, Larry Hama drew that." I, I don't, I don't have the tools to to identify a Larry Hama illustration. Yeah, here's the other piece. Now you have two Larry, Larry Hama stories in this violent issue. Both of them are almost like cartoon violence, right? You know, like you see the end result of going through like a like a firefight in Vietnam, and with our forty yard stare here of our rabbit character by the end is just scarred you know like, like if that's not a picture of ptsd i don't know what is yeah um man i wonder like thoughts behind some of this you know like it's it's very uh impressed by the war in terms of like let's depict some violence all right our next story here tom defalco on the words herb trimpy on the pencils and inks which is kind of cool i always like seeing herb trimpy and a little bit different herb trimpy when he's doing a short story like this and regular people although in this case they're russians in afghanistan 
So of course we have to help our Afghanistanian brothers and give them arms, right? No, nothing could go wrong with that after a period of time, I'm sure. It's it's interesting to see this in terms of like Vietnam, thinking of like, you know, you would hear Afghanistan was Russia's Vietnam. Right. And that's what you end up seeing here is these Russian soldiers end up basically cutting down this Afghanistan town that's presented as if it's civilians and they basically go in there and just destroy this this civilian town. And it's and it's presented as a Jack Kirby kids comic. Yes. You know, like the aesthetics don't fit the subject matter like whatsoever. And the wildest part, I look at this and go, wait, is this a G.I. Joe? Is this the rough for that one G.I. Joe cover? Like it's the same composition. Yeah, yeah totally. Like, you know, Trippy Trippy ain't gonna skimp on that kind of thing, man. He's he's a he's a uh He's a remediator. It's bizarre to see these kinds of comics and kind of supposed to be serious. Exactly. Yeah, and, and it's a very awkward fit. And he's got he's so stuck in the the Marvel way way of doing things that like of all of these comics as a black and white piece this because like look at all the shit that's going on he doesn't separate the things. Like he's not drawing for black and white here. He's drawing for color in the same way that he draws for color in, in any of his other like Marvel works. It feels like they should be getting superpowers. I know. <laughs> That's the October Guard. Yeah. Spelled with a K. Fun to see Trimpy ink himself though, man. Shane is brothers. That's something. So this was a story probably maybe the standout in this issue for me because you don't see that much beset. And what uh, a special creator. Like yes. like like every time I see his stuff and and I, I look at this kind of I'm just like, oh I wish he would have just stayed. Because he could he could own comics he owned the 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 medium of comics he could have been had a name up there with with anybody and and by the way like i saw i'll put it out there man because I, I saw scott scott dunbeer on facebook putting a call out for for pieces uh for future artist editions and he said does anybody have swamp thing art by beset toddlebin mm. he put the call out let's and, amplify that signal yeah yeah maybe maybe that'll be a that could be an episode. That could be a conversation. Uh, but uh, and I told him Billy Billy Ireland has a key two pager that you got to get your hands on. So this story again, I, I I'm a little disconnected in exactly what happens, but it's two kids that are kind of outgrowing their uh, you know no girls allowed clubhouse. One of them is is becoming more and more unhinged, eating bugs, and then trying to make his friend kind of follow suit. Just very reckless. And a girl has kind of entered their circle. Steve Perry's the guy who wrote that Time Spirits comic for 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 Epic, uh, drawn by Tom Yates, which you can find in the quarter bins, and I recommend picking it up if nothing for like like the the Tom Yates artwork it, it is plenty, you know like that's a, that's a reason to buy the thing. Yeah, enough said. Yeah, I remember looking through that thing whenever I was younger and being like blown away by his art. I would love to see what these originals look like as well, because yeah. there are some media on these pages. And and I and it's very possible that uh, that it's in color. Um, I feel like I've seen this before, and he's just great as like getting the, to the cartoony. Now he's got a style that like I see a fa like you know what Bissette's shit looks like, but I like the cartoony. He was doing stuff for heavy metal. He was doing stuff for Epic Illustrated. All of that stuff was color, so it's very possible that this could be Doc Martin dye colors. Mm, interesting. I never would have even thought that direction, but yeah, interesting call. And you can imagine this being like a Warren story or something like that. Too. Oh, I see. Yeah. Because like they would use he, he and Veach, they would they would use the Doc Martens because like Joe taught us that like to like use Doc Martin dyes as paint. And when you shine the light 
and you scan that those fucking things easter egg colors man think of that 1941 or i have uh those collections like shiny beasts and stuff that that uh that veach put out like just so poppy so the kid ends up kind of uh the one that's going unhinged his friend is like you got to try to save this dude he's in some kind of trouble and this is the part that confuses me is the girl that we saw earlier is now basically dead on this this gurney covered up under a sheet presumably dead and uh it just kind of falls apart to me i'm not sure exactly what happened with that right there is a frog nailed to the wall though and a piece of her clothing so i don't know if that's a sexual trespass and this is the symbol of that or if the guy just killed her with a hammer yeah the good son is that macaulay culkin movie yeah bizarre. i'm gonna be honest like i couldn't read this one either all right bucky bizarre let's see who this is because we don't have the copyright there at the bottom steve skeets and steve smallwood and uh, i wanted to look that up because i think this art's pretty nice yeah it doesn't look like marvel but man look at the cross hatching on this like spaceship i think is just exquisite absolutely it's a it's a very verbose like von baudet treatment uh because von would have the the rounded corners of the panels that kind of lettering these kind of vehicles but the uh, vol the voluminous nature of the text is pretty far out man you know what it's beautiful lettering like it almost looks like it should be mechanical because it's so well done i think it is leroy lettering on on italic yeah i guess you're right yeah okay because you could choose to do italic but pretty bizarre like no comics look like this mm -mm. and you know i don't know how many more comics these guys did either in this kind of style but this is a sci-fi time traveling cartoon type character who ends up in the 1930s whenever his time traveling ship kind of breaks down and he comments on the uh what a violent time to to show up which i guess you know they're gangsters and stuff maybe in the 80s you were thinking the 30s was like the most violent time <laughs> i don't know very bizarre but it's a shootout between a bunch of gangs that are trying to run this distillery I have no idea. A yeah. lot of this issue, like here we are at the end, and I'm going. I, I don't know. They're filling pages. You know, we're gonna we're gonna look at a uh, comic scene magazine that has Shooter and Company talking about these Marvel black and white magazines, and they say we can't even give them away. Yeah, I kind of understand it. Like, it's an all star team of creators here, and it's cool to see these different artists. But there's nothing here that I take away or think about. Like, I'm not gonna think about this issue on the ride home no not not at all and, and it and and they all read this way and the conans read are this way where it's like exceptional craft on the page certainly in terms of the visuals and nothing to say nothing like nothing at all and, and not even not even like giving you a little beginning middle and end piece you know recently we did the uh, the neil gaiman master class and we talked about like is it worth it is it not like what, what did we pull from it and he has this great quote that he has stuck with me for the past for the past week and probably will is is now is now in here you know in my mind and he said that like uh he was told that that a short story is the last chapter of a novel that you'll never write and i think that that's a great thing to keep in mind if you're dabbling with this kind of thing because that gives you some structure to hang your strip on you know establish a world this kind of thing none of these have that and uh the work that you have to do as a reader you 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 leave exhausted you know i i left this comic exhausted and then you think about it right like the marvel magazines there's not one that's put up there 
as like, you got to get this one. People have asked us, and in fact, I, I, I don't know if you chose this specifically, but like people have asked us to do this issue. And it was cool. I liked, I liked seeing uh, Hamas piece. And one of his characters, like, I'm, is the grown-up version of one of my characters. Like, like that's, I'm using that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, historically, it makes me think about the, those mags. And, and then, you know, when you come out of it on the other end, there's, there's, no, there's no masterpiece. I think of the, uh, the part in the Neil Gaiman uh, class where Karen Berger questions him about the Sandman issue that he's talking about and says, why, should I, why do I care? With all of these, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know that I care about any of these stories. Yeah, it, it would have required the, the, the writer to do, to do some real work. Yeah, uh, to, some, to... some nice art, but I don't know, man. Story-wise, I didn't connect with it. Good to go? Yes. Yeah. K favors, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell so that we can let you know what new videos are uh, available. We are a daily YouTube channel with more than 1,500 videos in our filmography, and there's a good chance we talked about some of your favorite comics. I encourage you to hit the magnifying glass on the front page of the Kfabe YouTube channel, search for your favorite titles, and uh, check out those episodes. If, by chance, we did not talk about your favorite comics on the channel yet, you have to let us know. Do, the, do so in the comments. Let us know what those comics are, and we will push those comics a little bit higher on our to-read pile. Jimmy and I are going to be at Big Apple Comic Con uh, come December 16th. It's been years since we've been to the Big Apple, and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys, so so please come through and bring your comics that we have yet to sign. We have a Patreon, and on the Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon, uh, the King Kayfabers get all the videos before anybody else, and uh, w when the internet cooperates, they are hanging out with us in a live stream recording session as we uh, make these episodes, mitigates the Kayfabe effect. They, they, get, they have access to the comics that we talk about, before anybody else uh, can scoop them up on the aftermarket. Ultimately, the videos are brought to you by the books that we make. And Before You is a pretty good sample of our bibliography, but we'll get into the nitty gritty. Jimmy, let the people know what you got coming out soon. My next release is Street Angel, Princess of Poverty from Image Comics. This will be out in late November in time for a holiday gift for the uh, action comic, superhero comic lover in your life. And Street Angel Princess of Poverty collects all the Street Angel comics that are not in Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive, also available from Image. And uh, get both books, it'll complete your collection. I have been self-publishing lately. True Crime Funnies number one is available on jimrug.com along with BW and 1986 zine. And if they are sold out there, you can still read them on patreon.com slash jimrug. And my contribution to the grand design history is the Hulk, which is available in limited quantities because it is sold out at the uh, distribution level. So if you haven't added Hulk grand design to your collection yet, you need to pick that up next time you hit the comic shop. Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is my big one for 2023, and uh, it is going fast, man. There's more than uh, probably 75% of this print run is gone, and stores have been re-upping. It was the number one reordered book on, on Comicron. Uh, so thank you guys so much. Thanks to stores for uh, for supporting the book. But if you even have any thought that you that you want this or you want to get it as a gift, make sure you scoop it up uh, right away. Uh, it's the best book I've made to date. 500 plus pages. 10 year anniversary of Hip Hop Family Tree. 50th anniversary of the culture. Scoop it up. Uh, not the last holiday release I'm going to have. Uh, coming November 14th is the X-Men Grand Design trade paperback, collecting all of my X-Men Grand Design works. Uh, a couple volumes of the, that is out of print uh, as we speak, so make sure uh, if you are missing out, 
on your uh, X-Men Grand Design. Scoop that up, you'll get it all in one. And there is a trilogy of horror comics that I have made under the Red Room umbrella, Anti-Social Network, Trigger Warnings, and coming in January is this trade paperback right here called Crypto Killers, which uh, collects my 2023 season of Red Room comics with a bunch of extras, uh, probably nearly 100 pages of, of extras in, uh, in, 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 in that run, in that book. The books are the most important part of keeping cartoonist kayfabe solvent and uh, functional. But there are some other ways to support the channel. Jimmy, let the people know. You can subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also pick up Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, mugs, stickers, and more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video. All good ways to support the channel. Give them those final merchandise, Jimmy, and we'll be on our way. Read more comics.